and before we get started with this week's episode of Rising as One Podcast, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising, the Beautiful Game Network, and Oro Brewing Company. You can check out Firebird Rising on the web at firebirdrising.corair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, and Oro Brewing Company is located in downtown Mesa, so if you're out in the East Valley, go check them out, and remember to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising win for happy hour pricing. We would also like to thank our listeners for the continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and leave us some feedback on iTunes or drop us a line on Twitter at RisingPod. Let's get to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns here with the Rising as One podcast. I'm joined today by Jeff Went, and Matt Trainer is out again. Uh, some unfortunate circumstances have brought him into the ER room today. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Hopefully, he should be out of there not too late today, and he'll be ready to go for the next week. But in the meantime, it's just going to be Jeff and I this week. So, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been an interesting week, obviously. Uh, Wrapping up this great road trip, uh, getting nine out of a possible 12 points. Um, obviously, the, the biggest news coming out of this is, is clinching the first ever playoff berth for this club. Uh, you know, wonderful effort to see from the boys. Uh, you can't ask for anything better. Uh, you know, it's coming home now, three matches to wrap up the regular season and, and uh, get this club ready to uh, make a deep run in the playoffs, hopefully. Absolutely, and so we have a ton to cover today because, you know, the biggest story is that Phoenix Rising clinches the playoffs, but we have two matches to cover. We have another two matches this following week to preview. We have an outstanding interview with two members of Los Bandidos that's going to come. They're going to talk about what it meant to be in the playoffs for the first time in franchise history, you know, the kind of supporters culture they're trying to build, all sorts of stuff. That's going to be a great interview later in the show. We're even going to be talking about the $1 beer night on Wednesday. That's right, $1 beers. And that applies, I just heard from uh, one of the ticket representatives, Joey Castor, who did a great job responding really quickly. The $1 beer special applies to Coors Light, uh, Heineken, and Four Peaks. So get your drink on. That's an unbelievable deal. Also free admission for anyone with college ID. So we'll go through those details just to recap it a little bit. And then even some U.S. men's national team talk because we've got some pretty, pretty big qualifiers coming up this week. So a massive show. But without further ado, let's get to the games. And why don't you go ahead, Dominic, and get us started with uh, Wednesday night's match uh, in Portland, which obviously had the biggest importance of the week. Yes, it did. So... Phoenix comes into this one looking to build off their two previous road wins over uh, Seattle and Vancouver. And this was definitely an eventful match. I think (laughs) eventful might be an understatement here. Phoenix knew going into this one that a win would put them in playoff position for the first time in franchise history. And we all know that Timbers 2 is the worst team in USL this season. So on paper, looked like it would be an easy win 
like Vancouver, but not so much. Uh, things start well enough in the seventh minute. Uh, Phoenix goes ahead in this match. Gladson Iwako does well, gets to the left side, puts a shot in, and their keeper, Kendall McIntosh, made a save. Problem for Portland is that it bounced right to Sean Wright Phillips, rolls the ball in, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, 1-0 to rising. But, you know, at this point, Timbers too, they don't just roll over and lay down like Vancouver did. They started to create some chances. Victor Arboleda got a couple shots. You know, Cohen had to make a couple saves. There weren't any any chances that really were, uh, you know, heart stoppers, so to speak. But Portland was able to get a lot of the possession, as is fairly typical when we're playing. We'll concede a lot of possession, but you could tell that the road trip was starting to take its toll. That being said, Rising held on pretty well and continued to maintain their 1-0 edge. Um, you know, there was a chance... Towards the end of the first half, um, Thomas Granito had a 30-yard volley. He's a defender for them, but it almost went in. It was just inches wide of the post. And then, you know, a couple nervy moments, but Phoenix gets into halftime up 1-0. And, you know, how nice is it to actually be up 1-0 at halftime as opposed to down 1-0 like we were so much earlier in the season? Uh, Jeff, I don't know how closely you were following this, but... I'm sure you were at least tracking the score. Um, what were your thoughts on the first half, if you saw the replay afterwards? Well, you know, obviously great effort early, you know, to get that, that first goal right away. Obviously is very key on the road. I mean, obviously playing in a in, in such a wonderful building as, as Providence Park is and, and obviously not having the crowd that, that they normally would in that building for, for a soccer match. But... Uh, but, you know, for the boys to get on the front foot right away was, was very important. Uh, you know, I thought it was key that even though, again, and we stress this so many times, even though Portland has the possession and has the run of play, they're really not doing a whole lot with that play. And that's a credit to the midfield, and that's a credit to the back line, you know, of Phoenix Rising. They just they continue to be strong throughout, you know, this entire stretch of games with, with Patrice Carter on, you know, at the helm. You know, obviously, you know, not counting Saturday, which we'll get into in just a moment, you know, 10-2-7 this club is, you know, with Carterone, you know, coming into this, coming into this match, you know, his record, I mean, speaks for itself. Obviously, he has changed the culture of this club. He has changed how this team plays defensively, and you can obviously see it, even though they're on the third game of a four-game trip, you see that even though they may be slowing down a little bit, their mind is still sharp enough to be playing the defense they need to be playing, and that was key, obviously, in getting what they did uh, in this match on Wednesday. Yeah, definitely agree there. Uh, so moving into the second half of this one, you know, Patrice Carteron made a tactical sub at halftime, uh, bringing A.J. Gray in with his fresher legs, taking off Gladson Iwako, I'm sure that Carteron figured Iwako has been playing a lot of minutes. He's going to be playing a lot more minutes down the stretch. And so we get into the second half, and again, Portland has a decent amount of possession, but not too much the first 15 minutes. Phoenix is holding on pretty well. Um, Grunito put another free kick effort on target, but it wasn't too nervy for Josh Cohen. And then Jason Johnson came in in the 66th minute, 
he had a great chance to actually make it 2-0. You know, a great ball played through for him, and I believe it was played through by by uh, Sean Wright Phillips, but uh, McIntosh actually made a pretty good save here. Johnson left foot volleyed it from about 15 yards out towards, he goes across his body for it, but uh, McIntosh dives to his left and pushes it just to the left of the post for a corner kick. So that keeps it 1-0, and then you know, you're still thinking things are going relatively calmly. You know, Timbers 2 picks up a yellow card in the 74th minute. But then things get pretty nervy around 79, 80th minute, with about 10 minutes left. There are a couple desperation chances for Portland. So first, um, Omar Mohammed has a shot blocked out for a corner kick. And then uh, Bill Toiloma had a shot, too, that, that forced Cohen to be alert. And so at this point, Portland is starting to press. They're starting to put us on notice and is getting kind of dicey. I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, we can get that 1-0, but thankfully, Jason Johnson is an absolute luxury to have come off the bench as a substitute. And sure enough, you know, first Amadou Dia gets a good chance on a counterattack that's saved by McIntosh, but then one minute later, Sean Wright Phillips plays a quick ball after a foul. Johnson dribbles it for about 25 yards, gets past his defender, puts it on his left foot, dribbles it towards the middle and then what a composed finish just drills it into the left corner you know not necessarily a goal of the week candidate but just a really quality goal you know for usl that's pretty high quality stuff and i'm sure you can go on firebird rising and check out the gif of that but it was just a really quality goal and at that point phoenix rising is able to cruise in for the win we picked up a couple yellow cards towards the end, but Timbers didn't have any chances that really, really uh, made us sweat too much. So it ended 2-0, and we got to the playoffs. And a couple interesting quotes. There's There was a Facebook Live uh, after the match on the Phoenix Rising FC Facebook page, and so a couple good quotes from that. Jason Johnson said, I was just trying to help the team, and I knew a security goal would help the team take some load off the defenders and everybody who had been working so hard. We weren't talking about clinching the playoffs all that much before the match. It was another game in our streak and we don't want to give up that streak. Uh, so that was Jason Johnson's quote on this one. And then Patrice Carterone, this is what he had to say. For Phoenix Rising in our first year to qualify for the playoffs is like a dream come true. I'm happy because they are progressing in spirit and playing really fantastic. I hope our last three matches at home that many fans come out to support us. I'm happy for the fans of Phoenix, for the players, and for everyone. So, Jeff, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I mean, just another controlling away win, and for the first time ever, we're we're playoff bound. Yeah, it's great to be uh, playoff bound for the first time ever. Um, you know, what what an effort by Jason Johnson in the second half. Uh, Ten goals now on the season, only the second player in Phoenix Rising slash Arizona United history to score more than ten goals in a season. Uh, Long Tan scored uh, 15 a couple of years ago. So obviously that record not quite in jeopardy yet, but but obviously Jason is up there and can be talked amongst those ranks. Um, again, solid effort from the defense in the second half. Didn't waver, didn't falter. Uh, you know, solid effort from the midfield. You, you can't go wrong with these guys right now. I mean, they're just 
playing on a different level than they've than they played in the first half of the season. It's showing. And again, we you know we can we talk about this all the time. It's amazing what you can do with players that aren't in the lineup that you've been able to get help now. I mean, Drogba hasn't been in the lineup. I mean, he played a token five minutes, you know, the last game at home before the road trip started. But even before then, he hadn't played for a, for a month and a half. So he's going to have almost two months where he hasn't played a single game yet. Um, and when you can rely on guys like Chris Cortez, Jason Johnson, and Gladson Awako, and Kevon Lambert, and Amadou Dia playing on the left-hand side, I mean, it's amazing what you can do when these guys can play different positions and can can move and, and be very uh, flexible in, in the way they play. I mean, great effort from the boys, you know. And what I love more than anything else is, yeah, they clinched the playoff spot, but did you see a whole lot of celebration from the boys? No, not really. You saw some hugs and a couple of jumps, and, you know, you saw that. They know there's still a lot left to go. Just just because you clinch playoff berth is a great thing. Now let's now let's go forward. Let's let's try to expand on that. Let's try to get a top four position. You know, let's try to get a home playoff game. But still, on top of it, you're trying to even set your roster up for those playoff rounds, and it'll be interesting to see what Patrice Carteron does in the upcoming weeks uh, to to solidify his uh, his starting lineup coming coming down the stretch. Yeah, and and just one more question before we get into the Sacramento match on Saturday. I mean, I know you're a journalist by trade, so you stick to the analysis uh, and the recaps pretty hard. But if you just take those glasses off for a second, you've been following this team longer than I have. What does it mean to you to see this team finally make the playoffs? Because, again, you've been through a couple of those down periods, whereas uh, maybe luckily so I kind of caught them as a fair weather fan, so to speak. So what what does it mean to you? Um... It's it's a great moment. It really is. I mean, I, I think the only thing that you can compare in the last three and a half years for this club is you know making that run in the U.S. Open Cup the first year that they were formed. Uh, you know, getting a fourth round home match against L.A. Galaxy. Uh, you know, to play and host them here. I mean, obviously the fans were really behind that club at the time, and you, guys, you even have to remember back to those days when that roster was put together in 15 days. So, I mean, um, you know, as, as, a, as a fan, I am thrilled over the moon for this club to finally reach the playoffs. You know, this, this state, this, this area is, you know, is hungry for teams that make playoffs and hungry for teams that, that do well. And you can see this year by the attendance figures alone, you know, when you're averaging over 6,000 a match, it's not only the fact that the word is finally getting out there, but it's the fact that you've got a winning team that's playing here. And when you have a winning team, winning breeds fandom, and fandom, you can't ask for anything better. LFR has been great all year long. Los Bandidos has been great all year long. Uh, you know, the fans that are that are regular season ticket holders that have been through the thick and the thin of this club, uh, you know, you feel you know, nothing but pride for them because of what they've been through. You can go back to the Phoenix Wolves days when they when they struggled, you know, to get fans out. So, you know, I, I'm happy for those fans that have stuck with them thick and thin uh, from year one. And, you know, to be to be able to cover this team and to watch them grow. And, uh, you know, you watch 
it grow from from nothing to something in year one and then you hoped you'd see something better but things didn't quite materialize obviously new ownership group comes in and really changes the culture and, and you know that is so great to see and and i can't wait to see you know how uh, how this ownership group reacts as we go forward uh you know for this playoff run coming up very very well said and with that we'll move to the match against sacramento republic on saturday uh the fourth match of our four game road trip our third match in seven days and jeff why don't you take us through that one yeah, well, let's get into let's get into Saturday's match. Obviously, like you said, third game in seven days, fourth and eleven. I mean, you know, th- these guys have been under such intense pressure the last uh, the last couple of weeks, and and you could kind of see it in the beginning of this match. Um, you could see that the boys were trying to sit back. I think I think Patrice knew that that he had some guys on some tired legs. You know, you were hoping you could get some guys switched out in different positions. We only saw. Uh, three or four changes from the lineup that, that ran out there on uh, on Wednesday. Um, it'll be interesting to see. One of the interesting changes at the last minute was Matt Watson had to come in for Kevon Lambert. We don't know if he picked up an injury in pregame or what happened, but Lambert was originally scheduled to be in the starting lineup, but did not but did not play and did not even make it into the 18. Um, Eric Avila took his place in the 18 uh, on the bench. So you know, and then we saw you know you saw Chris Cortez. Going back up to the top again, uh, Jason Johnson playing on the on the left hand side this week. Uh, you know, so you, you saw a few changes. You saw Amadou Dia go to the back, back to his his left defensive back position. So, I mean, obviously a few changes trying to just change things up. But you could see, you could see the heavy legs. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of action in the first half. Uh, you know, I think one of the best moments of the first half happened in the 24th minute. Uh, had a nice free kick from Alessandro Rigi, who put it to the back post to uh, to Chris Cortez, who tried to get a shot on goal, but uh, unfortunately it was cleared by Emra Clementa. A uh, great play by him on the backside. Uh, Sacramento had a good chance in the 29th minute. Uh, Ochoa hit a strike uh, right from the middle of the box, uh, right into Cohen's hands, though. Um, Johnson had a, had a header over the bar that just missed. I, I, you know, they say that it went out for a goal kick, but obviously when you watch the replays, Evan Newton got a real nice touch on that ball to poke it over the top. Um, uh, for the most half, you know, an, an okay played first half. It was, a, it was a good road half for the boys, obviously playing against this tougher tougher opponent. But you could see the heavy legs. You could see Sacramento was having their way with possession, having their way with moving the ball the ways they wanted to. And, and Phoenix just didn't quite look as sharp as they had been in recent weeks. And like you said, I think he chalked that up to three and seven, four and eleven. You know, but to get out of the first half nil nil, I thought was was uh, nothing short of spectacular. You know, your thoughts, Dominic? Yeah, it was it was definitely a team that was showing Carterone's shape. We were definitely conceding most of the possession. You know, something I noticed from this match is that Sacramento looked like they were shot out of a cannon in this one. And maybe it's because they were fresher, although they did play earlier in the week. They did play Real Monarchs earlier in the week. But they didn't have to travel. They had a home match earlier in the week. And also the fact that they're still playing for their playoff lives. They still hadn't clinched a spot yet. And really, had they lost to us last night, they really would have been in a precarious position because yesterday's match was their last home match of the season. So definitely 
as close to a must win as you can get for Sacramento Republic and it showed it showed that they were going after a lot of the loose balls that they were putting a lot of pressure on us in the first 20 minutes even though the ball didn't find the back of the net uh, Bijev with a chance that just went wide and in, in spite of all that we had our moments you know namely Jason Johnson forcing you know their keeper into a save that somehow was called a goal kick I don't really understand that um, but we had our moments and there were a couple times where you know if something had gone a little bit differently maybe we can sneak a goal and then try to play from ahead which we've been pretty good at doing the last few weeks but yeah to get in a half at nil nil against a team that really was playing like their lives depended on it not a not a bad result um and then the second half things changed a little bit so yeah that they did that? Yep, that they did, and, and obviously right off the bat, five minutes into the into the second half, you know, a, a tough handball call on Matt Watson. It's the right call. I agreed. You know, I watched the Sacramento broadcast last night, and I agreed with them on the fact that I thought it was harsh that Watson picked up a yellow on that play. Um, Absolutely. You know, but I mean, but I mean, it was the right call of the handball. But but you know, I yep. didn't think it was deserving of a yellow. But boy, when you you talk about world class free kicks. Emre Clementa steps up and just rifles one upper 90 past Josh Cohen. Uh, ends the goal streak, uh, the uh, the shutout streak at 416 minutes. Um, you know, four and a half games is, is not a bad stretch of uh, not giving up a goal. You know, you knew eventually the time was going to come. It was going to happen. I guess you can't ask for a better way for it to end than, than a shot like that. Yeah, if... if if they're going to score on you, at least have it be like a sports center top 10 worthy goal where it's just a stupidly good free kick as opposed to, you know, a little dribbler or an own goal or something like that. So, I mean, you can't really criticize Cohen for his positioning. You can't really criticize the wall there. That's just that's just class like you draw it up. And I guarantee you if he takes that kick 10 other times, it's not going to work out that way any of the other ones, at least not that well. Yeah. So obviously puts Phoenix now on the on the on the back foot one nothing down, but they didn't give up right away. Obviously made an attack a couple of times. Cortez had a had a strike in the 50th, uh, right after the goal had been scored. Uh, Rigi had a cross that was just a little bit too tall uh, that he was going for the back post, and Newton grabbed that one. Uh, Johnson had a had a low cross in the 54th that. Uh, tried to sneak through but Evan Newton was able to grab that one as well but Newton was able to turn that around in a counter and uh, Augustine Cazares uh, finds the back of the net 55th minute on a nice shot as well uh, no chance for Evan or for uh, Josh Cohen to grab that one either 2 nothing lead and obviously you know you're really on the back foot now and and, and Sacramento is showing their uh, their control of the match yeah, and at that point, you're thinking, all right, it's just not going to be your night. Like, you had a couple close chances that didn't go in, and then, you know, first a crazy free kick, and then a shot that was really well placed. I mean, Cohen only gave him maybe like a foot or two to sneak it between his hand and the post. You know, the defensive marking wasn't terrible there either, but he, you know, if a dude's going to drill it like that from 25 yards, low to the ground, just inside the post... What are you going to do? You're just going to have to take your hat off, tip your cap, move on. I mean, there's no 
if you're gonna lose, you might as well lose on goals like that. I mean, you can't you can't blast the defending, you can't blast the players for conceding those. Those are just well taken chances. So yeah, no, and then you, you, as we'll get into more, they kept fighting too, which was nice to see. Yeah, you you can't fault the defense really in this game. I mean, you know. Like I said, four you know four games in eleven days are gonna be tired, but it wasn't a it wasn't a matter of poor marking and it wasn't a matter of poor you know poor defending. It's just like you said, it was a it was good solid shots that are beating Josh Cohen. Nothing you can do about that. Now you know, I you know I praise the effort of the way the boys played last night, especially like I said after two nothing down, you know you're still taking chances. You know, Gladstonawako gets a shot in the seventy third. Sean Wright Phillips comes on as a sub and. He puts one just wide, the 74th. You know, how about that that double save in the 77th that Evan Newton had to make? First of all, off the Amadou Dia. First of all, off the Amadou Dia header. Then falls down to the to the ground, and Matt Watson gets a foot on it. And 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 uh, Evan Newton makes another great save. I mean, you know, what what more can you say about Evan Newton? Evan Newton played a solid game in net last night for for Sacramento. You know, even coming up. You know, two minutes later, you know, there was a cross from A.J. Gray to Sean Wright Phillips, you know, and, and Newton makes a save there. I mean, solid efforts, not giving up. That's what you'd love to see about the guys, you know. But obviously you knew at that point, once you get past that point, they, you know, there's no coming back from this. You know, they see the, you know, see the night out, 2 nothing loss, ends the win streak at 4 ends the shutout streak at four, ends the unbeaten streak at 11. You know, I don't think we could have ever expected to see streaks like that. I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen some streaks like that run through the USL. And, you know, hats off to the boys for what they've done. And, you know, like like we've said, the playoffs are here now. Obviously, you know, now we can get a few days rest, you know, come back home, finish up the, the slate strong with three games at home, and, uh, you know, let's look forward to uh, getting that lineup set up for the playoffs. Right. And, I mean, this was a match that I didn't really see us taking anything from when we were previewing the road trip. I was just hoping we'd get seven points from those first three matches because I, I had a feeling last match of the road trip, you know, a team that's going to be pretty hungry, especially for revenge after what we did to them a few weeks back. So it kind of played out that way. And one thing that I... I'm not sure if you mentioned, but just kind of goes to show that it wasn't our night. In stoppage time, AJ Gray gets a really good ball in, and Amadou Dia unmarked at the far post, and he had the keeper beat, and it just goes off the crossbar. Second crossbar of the night, and, you know, when you see stuff like that, it's just not your day. But, I mean, we've had so many of our days recently, it's tough to get two up in arms. I mean, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes, but... All in all, great road trip to get 9 from 12. And, you know, we're set up pretty well for these last three matches. Yep, definitely. Obviously, you know, three matches to come, two matches this week coming up. Um, let's uh, let's start talking about the two matches that uh, we got coming in this week. Uh, let's start let's start off with Tulsa. I mean, this is going to be a this is going to be a big match for both clubs, especially you know if Phoenix Rising wants to solidify their their fifth place position, um, they obviously need to get some sort of points, whether it's a draw or whether it's three and a win uh, out of this one. But obviously, with Tulsa coming in 13, 12 and four on the season for 43 points, uh, they're sitting seventh in the West right now, and obviously, you know, a win for them would be huge. 
you know, coming in and, and getting three points. Um, they're not a strong team away from home. They're four seven and four, you know, away from home this year. So that's that's key. Uh, two two and one in their last five appearances. Uh, it includes a, a loss on Saturday two nothing to uh, San Antonio. So that was a huge loss for them. Um, Obviously, it's going to be you know a, a big game for them coming in, and plus two, it's going to be an ESPN game of the week, so you know that that the boys are going to be up for this. You know, in, in Tulsa, you know, one of their only chances to play in front of a national audience, and and so we'll we'll see, you know, where the chips may lie here. Obviously, the players to watch for Tulsa, Ian Savantison, 11 goals on the season. He's obviously their key man to watch. Uh, uh, Juan Calistri has nine goals on the season. Uh, Juan Pablo Caffa, eight goals, six assists on the year. So obviously, uh, you know, they have got some potent scorers in that lineup uh, that, that we definitely need to watch, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, and then uh, Fabian Cerda in net is going to be their regular starting keeper. Uh, just to go over their last match against San Antonio a little bit, you know, they were actually... Even though it was a 2-0 defeat, it was scoreless in the 70th minute. They just conceded two goals late, but they had most of the possession. It looks like they had most of the shots, too. Yeah, 23 shots, only four on target. But this is a team that can come in and grind out a 1-0 away result. We've seen them do that this season against RGV a couple times. You know, I think against Colorado Springs, they won a 1-0 away, so... Definitely not a team that you want to concede early against because they can see games out like that. They've beaten Oklahoma City on the road this year. So they're not going to be intimidated by Phoenix Rising, but this is also a team where if we can put a goal or two in on them, I don't think they will... They don't have the most firepower to be able to respond. So, And, and then if it stays a tie game, as the game goes later and later, I think that favors us. I think we have the guys we can bring off the bench. We have more depth than Tulsa to get a late goal to snatch a winner there. But, I mean, both teams are going to have a lot to play for. As as you mentioned, Jeff, Tulsa's going to come in with 43 points going into their last three matches, so they haven't clinched a playoff spot either. And they could still miss out. It's, it's not impossible. They're looking pretty good right now, I think, in the seventh spot, but... You know, should one of those other teams, should an Orange County or Colorado Springs get hot down the stretch all of a sudden, it's not inconceivable that they could miss. So they're they're going to want to lock things up, and we are going to have to play well. So we'll see if, if Patrice Carterone makes some changes to the lineup. But that game is going to be Wednesday at 7 p.m., not at 7.30. And a couple other details about this game for the fans that are going to be going. This is a $1 beer night. So, get pretty amped about that. I spoke with Joey Castor, the Phoenix Rising ticket representative. This deal applies to Coors Light, to Four Peaks, and to Heineken beers. So, definitely take advantage of that. You know, Wednesday night, I know it's not Friday yet, but you're getting over that hump in the midweek. And what better way to do it than to see Phoenix Rising take advantage of a fantastic deal. Be safe, too. Don't, don't drink and drive. But, um... Also, if anyone you know is a college student, anyone with a college ID gets in for free for this matchup. So there's not going to be another opportunity for that this season, so definitely take advantage. 
I'm trying to get a few friends to take advantage and get in there for free. So hopefully we can get a nice big crowd to, you know, applaud the team for making playoffs and hopefully we can get another three points. Yep. That'll definitely be uh, be worth the, uh, the visit if you, if you can get out there. And obviously Saturday night uh, they'll wrap up uh, the two games in a week against uh, Rio Grande Valley. Uh, 9-13-8 for Rio Grande, 35 points. Obviously they are not in a position to make the playoffs this year, uh, so they're they're going to be pretty much playing out the string 2-2-1 two, two, and one in their last five uh, games played, uh, coming off a 2-2 draw against Swope, which really kind of put a damper of some sorts into Phoenix Rising's playoff positioning. We'll talk about that in a few minutes when we talk about the standings and we talk about the, the highlights for the week. Uh, a 4-8-2 record away from home is Rio Grande Valley, so obviously... You know, in a similar in a similar position is what Tulsa is. Uh, Kyle Kyle Murphy is their top goal scorer, seven goals on the season. Uh, Joseph Holland, jo, uh, Jose Escalante, uh, Ruben uh, Luna, four goals each. Uh, Justin Billu with eight assists on the year. Uh, they got a pair of goaltenders who've, who've seen uh, some time in in Borja Angoida and uh, Cal Brown. Um, obviously, you know, like like we said, they're going to play out the string at this point. Uh, depending on what Phoenix does on Wednesday, I mean, obviously, will probably depend on what they do Saturday. You know, if they get some points and they're obviously firmly entrenched in a in a fifth playoff position and, and don't feel like they're going to be going anywhere, you could see a different lineup come out uh, and give some guys some rest so that way they're ready for the playoffs. So it'll be interesting interesting to see how Patrice Carterone plays this. Uh, this Saturday match. Yeah, and and one last point on RGV. They aren't mathematically eliminated yet, but their chances took a huge hit in a match against Swope Park, which could have really helped us out. They were actually up 2-0 with 20 minutes left in this match. It was a home one, and I have to say, RGV has been playing some good teams tough down the stretch. You know, they drew us back in August, they were ahead against Sacramento Republic before squandering a one-goal lead and ending up with a 2-1 defeat at the last kick of the game. And then here, it's just the same old story, missed opportunities for RGV. Uh, in this match, up 2-0, own goal in the 77th minute gives Swope a lifeline, and then you know that Carlton Belmar is going to make you pay in stoppage time. He gets a nice through ball, does a little dummy to get one-on-one with the keeper, and then the keeper needs to do better and get to the ball first, but instead Belmar plays it past him, rolls it in. 2-2 two, two draw, so that kind of hurt us, but also really hurts RGV. That's why Jeff is saying they're going to play out the string. If they had gotten to 37 with that match, they really still would have something to play for, but I don't think they're just going to roll over and play dead for us. They've been playing much better than they were maybe in the June-July months of this season. So... Too little, too late, but I think we're going to have to be at least at 70% of what we're capable of if we want to get three points. That is that is correct. So, All right, so let's get into uh, results as in this week in the USL for uh, week 28 of the season. Uh, on Wednesday, obviously, a big load of games, uh, both, both east and west. It was... Uh, Bethlehem 2, Tampa Bay 2, it was Harrisburg 1, Ottawa nothing, and it was Toronto 1, Louisville nothing, 
in the East. Uh, games in the West, it was Swope Park Rangers getting a 3-0 win over L.A. It was uh, Belmar and Mileto uh, leading the charge there, uh, getting Swope the three points that they hugely needed and obviously puts them in the standings where they are at. And then a big result, obviously, Salt Lake getting a 2-0 win over Sacramento. It was uh, goals by Mayer and Hoffman that uh, gave Salt Lake City three huge points that uh, will lead them pretty much to winning the uh, the uh, shield for the uh, league regular season title. And uh, that was that's going to be a huge honor for them as they move into the playoffs. Uh, Friday's results, FC Cincinnati beat Charlotte 1-0. Uh, games on Saturday in the Eastern Conference, it was New York 2, Pittsburgh nothing. It was Rochester and Louisville playing to a nil-nil draw. It was Harrisburg over St. Louis 2-0. And it was Tampa Bay and Bethlehem playing to a 1-1 draw. Games in the West, uh, obviously this one not of much importance except for the Cascadia results that they love. Uh, Portland with a one nothing win over Vancouver, giving Portland their third win of the season. Uh, Victor Arboleda got a goal in the 67th minute uh, to give uh, Portland three points. That obviously, you know, it's been a it's been a tough year for them, but uh, you know, hey, any win in the Cascadia helps them uh, immensely. Uh, you know, as far as you know, feeling good about themselves for the rest of the year. So. Now only 25 points out of the last playoff spot. <laughs> with with three games to play. <laughs> yes. Uh, but do they have any games in hand? That, that they don't. <laughs> uh, big result for Colorado Springs, getting a 2-1 win over Orange County. Obviously, Orange County still has a game in hand on Colorado Springs, but Springs really needed this victory. Uh, goals by Kim Song and Kevin Frater. Uh, got three huge points for Colorado Springs to at least keep them somewhat in the race for the playoffs. Uh, they'll finish, you know, these last two matches on the road. You know, that's going to be huge for them as they go forward. You know, can they win two matches on the road, and can they get to that eighth playoff spot? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the table right now. They're going to have to win out and hope that some teams give them some help. I would not bet on it, but... They stay alive, and Orange County missed a, a penalty kick down 2-0 in this match. And after they got a consolation goal, it really ended up biting them in the rear because that would have been a huge point. That would have been. And now they're down in 10th. That they are. Uh, San Antonio got a big 2 nothing win over Tulsa. It was Billy Forbes uh, leading the charge there and an Ojong goal uh, there to give San Antonio three big points to get them up in the standings. Uh, we talked about the RGV uh, Swope Park Rangers 2-2 result. And then the, the final interesting result of the evening, uh, the top two teams in the West playing Saturday night, and it was Salt Lake getting a big 3-0 win over Reno. Uh, an early miss on a penalty by Antoine Hoppenot um, obviously turned this game around. This is at seven penalty kick saves this year from the Salt Lake goalkeeper. And when you can do that and then turn around with Hoffman and Mara and Haber getting goals, you know, in the second half, you know, three huge points for Salt Lake City and obviously, you know, big confidence boosts as they head to, to finish out the season. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is also a big match as far as the standings are concerned because Reno had a chance 
at catching Monarchs for the top spot in the West still. Especially if they could have gotten the win in this match, that would have really pulled them close. I believe to within two points had they won. It would have been 60 and 58 with the same number of matches played. And instead, it becomes almost impossible for anyone to catch Real Monarchs. Uh, they would have to lose out and San Antonio would have to win out. That's the only way that Real could fall out of the number one seed. And yeah, what can you say about Monarchs? I mean, usually it's Connor Sparrow making those PK saves. This time, Andrew Putna, who gets in net and makes a big play for the team. So pretty good result there. And it's really surprising to see Reno drop a match like that at home. Yeah, that it is. Uh, games on Sunday, uh, one result that's been final so far, Ottawa and Charleston played to a 1-1 draw. Uh, matches that are playing currently as we're taping, Richmond is taking on Orlando, and then Orange, uh, Oklahoma City will play LA Galaxy 2 to round out Week 28 in the USL. So that'll take us to the Western Conference standings. Dominic, you want to take us through the standings for this week? Sure thing. So... At the top, we've got Real Monarchs in a very strong position with 63 points from 30 matches played. Reno next with 55, Swope also with 55, and San Antonio with 55. But here's the catch. They still have a game in hand on everyone else in the top three. So if San Antonio can take care of business, they have the inside track on getting the second seed in the West. Then you get down to fifth place. It's Phoenix Rising with 49 points. Sacramento Republic with 45, Tulsa with 43, Oklahoma City with 40, although they are playing Los Dos, that match is about to kick off. Assuming they win that match, which you have to like their odds of doing at home, they would also be on 43 points with 30 matches played. Uh, then you go outside the top eight, Colorado Springs with 30 matches played has 38 points, Orange County with 37, they've only played 29 matches. RGV mathematically hanging by a thread with 35 points. If OKC wins today, then RGV is mathematically eliminated. Sounders 2 with 31, Los Dos 26, Vancouver with 23, and Portland Timbers with 15 points after their big Cascadia win. So uh, keep an eye on that Oklahoma City one too. It has some ramifications on a few teams if they can get up to 43 points that really all but solidifies the top eight and you're looking at orange county and colorado needing a miracle rgv being officially eliminated and then you would just get into jockeying for those six through eight spots between sacramento tulsa and okc so if you're looking at the west there are really only two races that are worth looking at now it's that battle for two through four between reno swope san antonio and the battle for 6-8 through eight between Sacramento, Tulsa, OKC. We're in this weird middle spot at 49 points where, assuming we take care of business against Portland, assuming we take care of business against RG3, or RGV, we're going to get at least 55 points, and that pretty much puts us squarely in that fifth spot. So those are the kind of things to look at around us is just look at those shuffling spots but do you have anything else to add there well obviously you know the the, the big thing will be who falls to four will it be swope will it be reno will it be san antonio you know we we 
talked this through so many times. You know, who is the one team that you want to face? Who's the team you don't want to face? You know, I think we, we all said earlier, and, and I think we probably still all agree, that I think the best matchup for Phoenix, if we can get to that 4-5, might be getting Swope. I don't know that you want to play Reno up in Reno because of the field conditions, playing in a, in a, in a smaller field, which, which suits tends to suit uh, you know Reno better than I think it suits Phoenix. I think playing on a wider surface kind of helps, so I think maybe maybe getting Swope might be best. Uh, San Antonio would probably be the second option out of the three. I don't know what you know about your thoughts on, on that, but I you know I think we could I think we could take Swope on the road. I think that would be to me would be the best matchup. Yeah, I I, I would tend to agree there. Um, one thing that does throw it into doubt is the fact that Reno and Swope both are at 55 points. And you look at who they're playing to finish the season. Swope has an away match at OKC, and then they finish off at home against Sounders 2. So Sounders 2 is going to be a win, and then it really is going to come down to that OKC match. If they can get a draw from that match, I don't know if Reno is going to be able to get four points in their last two because they have, they have two tricky matches to end the season. They go away to Orange County, a team that's going to be playing for their playoff lives, and then I believe they finish out at home, but against Sac Republic, and that's another team that's going to be giving it 100%, especially the way that Reno has beaten them in both of those rivalry matches this year. So you know Sacramento's going to want to end the season strong, get a good result in Reno. So, you know, would I like to play Swope in that 4-5? Absolutely. But the way it's shaking up, it might be a Reno match. And, you know, talking to Banditos, I think they would prefer it's a Reno match because it's a little bit more drivable. It's a uh, it's a 10-hour drive as opposed to Kansas City, you're looking at a flight. So I think San Antonio with the game in hand, you have to realistically think they're going to finish second or third. Right. I would, I would tend to agree with you there. So, coming up is a fascinating interview with two members of Bandidos, longtime members of Bandidos, um, Ali and El Sub. Uh, you can go find them at any match for their real names, uh, but that's where you can find them on Twitter. And, you know, we covered quite a array of subjects, ranging from how long they've been fans of Phoenix Rising, what this playoff appearance means, what their travel plans are for this match because they are planning on traveling. Um, then we got into a little bit of supporters culture, uh, you know, thoughts on MLS expansion, and a couple other things. So really a wide-ranging interview, definitely a must-listen, and here it is. Hello, this is Dominic here with two special guests from Bandidos. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? I am Ali. And this is El Sub from uh, the Benidos Leader. All right, well, welcome both of you. Uh, I know that you've both been following the team for years, so why don't we get some background info on that? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I knew about Phoenix Wolves. Um, I was, uh, I didn't, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it to any of their matches. Um, but I have also been a uh, season ticket holder and supporter since uh, Arizona United 
including bouncing back from Peoria to Scottsdale to Peoria and, and back again. Well, and uh, I started following the team back in 2014 when they were running United. Um, you know, I followed the local side when I first moved here. And, uh, you know, I followed them or kind of kept up with how they were doing since Scottsdale. And then uh, when they moved to Peoria, that's when, uh, you know, I felt a little bit more, I guess, prepared and a little bit more invested in Arizona United. So that's when I got into the supporter scene. And from Peoria, uh, I started Let Up and That. And then uh, from there, we evolved and then became with Benidos and with Phoenix Rising. So tell me a little bit about the supporters culture that you guys are trying to bring to Phoenix. Okay, so basically, um, a lot of the guys in our group uh, that we've been able to have joined the group have prior experience in the supporter scenes in Latin America and Mexico in particular. So uh, a lot of what we bring is essentially just experience and insight and I guess just more, like a little bit more context into what the supporters culture is like in Mexico and Latin America. Now, we are also trying to obviously go beyond that. You know, Phoenix Rising is not just, you know, Mexico fans or, you know, Mexican club fans. It's everybody else from all walks of life, of all clubs. So we're trying to go not just with the Spanish chants or not just with the Latin American barra style, but we're trying to involve, you know, the you know, American chants, European chants. So we're trying to uh, create a real fusion of culture within our group itself. And we're trying to show that, yes, there is a uh, team in Phoenix, and yes, there are supporters groups like may, you may have heard of within, you know, Seattle and Portland and, you know, the, the, the greater club, the greater supporters groups in the U.S., but, you know, there's so much more that exists in the world, and we're hoping to give people just a little bit of a glimpse to that, and hopefully uh, it'll be, like, common in Phoenix someday. Anything to add there that was so eloquently said? Oh, no, not at all. Marco, or somebody did a great job. Uh, so since you guys have been following this team for years, longer than myself and many other rising fans, what does it mean to make the playoffs the first time in franchise history? This uh, this is everything. This is um, again history um, for the club, of course, and for its fans and and for the for the city, for the state, for the valley. It's you, know, you can't. I mean, there's nothing, it's everything. This is something that many of us uh, again that have been following for a little bit while have been <laughs> pining for, waiting for. And so for it to be official, to, to be happening, we are uh, more than excited. This, this is just, this is a very um, big feeling. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, I'm from a city where they have an MLS team in Salt Lake City with your also like, but the, the culture of the club just never resonated with me. Like, I never felt that I felt connected to the club in any way. So, I mean, now that I've got to grow a little bit with Arizona United and, you know, what the club has been like and, you know, through the ups and downs. Um, now that we've been able to get to the point where we are, it feels as if uh, it kind of it's like a reward in a sense for having gone through everything the way that you did and, like, the loyalty is being repaid, not just with good form, but just the, uh, I guess, realization that now when you're in the playoffs, there's a real chance at grasping, you know, like, 
you know, glory and victory for the local side, which represents all of us. And, you know, and Phoenix being the city it is, like a lot of people are so dependent on, you know, the success of the team. But, I mean, that's just the way that Phoenix is, Phoenix is going to be for a while. But for those of us who look beyond that, uh, it's so much more rewarding in the sense that now we get to see how these players react. Now we can say that we have reached those heights. And, you know, certain other little clubs in the Valley who uh, banged on about us never reaching the playoffs, now we're on better terms because we reached the playoffs in a higher level. So, yeah. Uh, so about the playoffs, it appears that we are going to be playing an away match. At least our first match will be an away match, and then if things go to form, we would be playing all our other playoff matches on the road. Uh, I hear that you guys are planning on traveling yeah. to this match. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, it's not so much that like, oh, well, you know, we can't get fourth place anymore. It's not that we never had faith in, in the team. It's not that we never had faith in the players or the, or the, the coach. It's just that... Um, you could win all the rest of your games, but if the team above you wins all the rest of their games, you're not getting fourth place. That's just the way football works. Um, obviously, we had the loss last night against Sacramento, and that didn't help our chances, but at the end of the day, you have to act ahead of time. You have to act ahead of the curve. And quite frankly, in my opinion, in my uh, philosophy of football, whatever, having that support as an away supporter counts so much more especially in a moment like that your first playoff game ever you know a lot of these players may not know how to react in that situation like you know the, a playoff is played differently a playoff you have to have a different mindset you have to put different form to and to have your support there could mean a lot more for the players it could mean a lot more for the club and it sets an expectation that we'll be there with the club no matter what definitely agree we i mean i I think there still might be a slim chance that we host that playoff match, which would be amazing. It would yeah, be unbelievable. Yeah. And that is great. We, we would still like that to happen. But, of course, it's looking a little bit more likely that we uh, will be away, but we don't really see that as a uh, deterrent. As a matter of fact, that's that's something that's even... That's, that's great. Um, we're down. Yeah, we would, we're going to do our best to, to bring as many... Uh, our other buddy that's with us and take time off, canceled uh, pre-planned trips. Yeah, before. I actually, uh, <laughs> I actually canceled my trip to Germany for this one. So like that is some real dedication. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, knowing how I am, if I'm going to travel for a game, like between gas, food, and let's be honest, drinking, like there's going to be there's going to be quite a bit of spending involved, and if I can't save that for Germany, then might as well. And this is more important at the end of the day. Yeah. So the the options really are coming down to San Antonio, but more likely either Reno or Kansas City for Swope. Which destination would you guys prefer? Well, I think it's pretty obvious we prefer freaking uh, San Antonio, given it's the least far of the three. But at the end of the day, we're going to try to take as much time, time off as we can. We're going to make the best effort we can to make wherever the game is. Um, yeah, San Antonio is within our region. Reno's within the region, even though you have to drive like some 12 hours through some, you know, military bases and abstract <laughs> desert. Yeah. But I mean, well, wherever they're going to be, we're going to do our best to get there. Yeah. Ideally, if if I had to kind of choose between though, if it's going to be likely between Reno and uh, Swope, I would say Reno, just to kind of. Uh, I was 
real hurt during, during earlier in the season when we lost 4-0 to them, and they uh, kind of springboarded from there, and I don't really like our team being used as a springboard, yeah. so I would uh, really like to get back there and show them uh, uh, we deserve it and we want it. And but if worst comes to worst, if worst comes to worst, and it is in Kansas City, like we actually have a friendship with the Swole Park Rangers supporters because they're a lot of their political alignment is the exact same way as us. So we have we actually have like an established friendship with them. So we would still be in good company over there anyway. But no matter what, Phoenix Rising till you die, right? Yeah, exactly. all day, all exactly. day. So a couple more questions. Um, one is about the sign issue from I think almost a couple months ago. I know that there's been really good Bandido support at the game since then, and I just kind of wanted a little bit of your take on the situation, and it, it seems like everyone's moved on for the best. Yeah, uh, so basically, um, you know, we came to a point where uh, we really discovered that everybody had the same goal in mind, whether it was the FO, the ownership, and us, uh, which was create the best atmosphere and create the best environment which people could enjoy watching their local side. And um, it really just came down to just having that open communication and, you know, just really discovering what it's like to have frank conversations. Um, and, you know, obviously not all of us agree on the same political issues or the way to get there, but at the end of the day, as long as you can have that communication, that's the biggest thing. And that's how you can come to an agreement on whether maybe this or that is the best route about this and maybe like communication is the best way to figure out as to how we can uh, create an atmosphere of you know tolerance to create an atmosphere of just you know welcoming towards any walk of life nowadays because it's not just it's not just an issue in terms of being against racism it's not just that the issue is how to create an environment where everybody regardless of ethnic background orientation, you know, religion, how do they feel welcomed, you know, how do the players feel as if they don't have to worry about, you know, abuse coming from the stands, and because at the end of the day, when Bandidos was started, that was the goal that we had, was to prevent uh, instances where abuse in any sort of bigotry or, or in any sort of context like that would go on, because I mean, a lot of us have had that happen to us, and so we know what it's like to have that said to us. We know what it's like to not be able to do anything because, I mean, you know, if you react, then you will become the bad guy. So what we try to do is create the expectation that none of this will be tolerated. And, and that's why we do what we do. But having that communication with the front office and the ownership is really what creates a understanding. And at the end of the day, I think the understanding is more important sometimes than the uh, intentions or acts on either side, just the understanding. I would agree with everything you said. Yeah. And uh, my last directed question before I let you guys give closing thoughts, what are your thoughts on MLS expansion? Do you guys support it? And if so, you know, what do you see the role of Banditos being moving forward? And, you know, if it doesn't work out, do you think we're still going to create a great soccer culture here? I am of the thinking that no matter what league um, we are in, I will be there um, for Rising. Um, that they have the front office and ownership has these aspirations uh, for the first division. I think um, it's really nice. It's, 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 it's very admirable and we really want to be at the top. 
and that's cool. Um, as to whether or not, you know, <clears throat> regardless if, you know, we were to make it to MLS, uh, I think that doesn't matter. I think Bandidos will do exactly what we're doing right now, despite a yes or no from Mr. Garber. That doesn't, that's not, that doesn't matter. Yeah, so I mean, having the guys in our group and having the kind of the differing philosophies in terms of supporters culture and like, you know, barra culture, we really don't depend on like what executives have to say. We're really not, we're really not interested in what executives have in terms of opinions on the club. We're not interested in all of that. So what we're interested in is just how the club's doing, how we can provide the best support for the club, and that's it. Um, there are, are concerns that in the that in the MLS, sometimes a group cannot express itself in in its in its purest way, like you know, no smoke, no confetti, and this or that. So it's like, well, that's part of what makes the atmosphere. That's what people love going to the Phoenix games is because that's so different from what they see at other sports or other events. So if say we get MLS, but all of a sudden MLS imposes rules that the groups cannot express themselves and cannot provide that same atmosphere. Well, part of what got Phoenix to that point where that discussion came in is not it's now gone. So you can have a first division team, but if the atmosphere is gone and the culture is gone, then what do you have? Just the first division team, just like anybody else. So personally, I will back the team wherever they go. I will back a team USL or MLS, but all I care about is just the 11 players on the field, you know, making sure that we can provide the best support for them, and that's pretty much what we're here for. And uh, if you guys just want to have any closing thoughts, I think you guys have already given some really fantastic insights, but this is more of an open-ended, anything you want to address that's on your mind. Well, basically, if people, if people are unsure or if people have questions or if they um, have disagreements about the way we do things, uh, they are more than willing to ask. They're more than able to ask. They're more than welcome to ask. You know, we don't have a like a closed. I mean, like communication mentality with people. Like, all they have to do is simply ask us, and we'll have a conversation. The issue we run into with Phoenix is that because legitimate football culture and a legitimate club is so new many people have never been exposed to what supporters culture is many people have, many people have never been exposed to how supporters speak about how they act about how they drink their beer many people are just not used to seeing that so people kind of have to get used to the idea that you know what supporters culture is not an intrinsically american thing but that's okay that's what we have at college football games. That's what we have at baseball games. That's what we have at basketball games. Sometimes it's okay to have something different. Sometimes it's okay to take from something else. The great thing about being in this country is we can take from a lot of other cultures. We can take from Latin American supporters culture. We can take from European supporters culture. We can take from African supporters culture. So we can take a whole bunch of different styles and put them together into one thing that in a way represents what Phoenix is, which is a big melting pot yeah. anything to add uh, well yeah I think um, overall I mean 
yeah, we're in the playoffs. That's cool. But to, to think about the, the rest of the, the, the season beforehand, I know um, initially things, you know, we're kind of struggling here and there, but we've, we've gone on a really great run, and it's it's been amazing. Um, I think no matter what kind of happens in the playoffs, um, many of us have, you know, that's <laughs> that's kind of just what we wanted. We knew we had to make the playoffs, and, and so we're we're there. And that's really great, and and so that it's a it's a big deal, and, and I think overall many of fans that are you know I'm glad to have new fans of course, but many of us that have been watching for several years now, this has just been such a culmination of um, you know, ups and downs, but we're uh, we're on the up, and it's 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 great, and I'm I'm so proud and happy uh, to say that Phoenix Rising is my team, and I support them, and I can't wait to see what's coming up more. Well. That's fantastic. And uh, just before letting you guys go, where can fans go if they want to have conversations about jerseys, fan etiquette, what the predictions for the next match are going to be, all that stuff? Where can people find you guys on Twitter? Uh, well, we have the Bandidos Facebook uh, on Twitter and Instagram and, uh, and stuff like that. But uh, one of the big spots where people like to talk about is on, you know, the Phoenix Rising talk page, and then, you know, the Phoenix Rising pod is obviously another spot where you can actually have those opinions and those thoughts actually put out there, like, into, like, a vocally expressive way, I don't know, but, yeah, I mean, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, um, but I think the way that we appreciate communication, the way, the way we appreciate interaction the most is if you just come to us in person. Like, you can find us in the south end of the stadium. We have the big banner there. You can't really miss it. So if you can get a supporters ticket or, you know, whatever you can do, just go there, talk to us. We'll chat. You know, we'll be there. I agree. Yeah, come find us. Um, I know sometimes it seems like we're a little uh, distracted, but it's mostly because... We're drinking, we're, that's it. Well, they're drinking, yeah. and, and, and of course, we're there for one reason, and yeah. we are very focused on those 90 minutes, but um, we're more than willing to chat with someone that has any kind of questions about us. We just kind of want to get to know us. Um, yeah. I, I think we're yeah. I think we're all right. Yeah, <laughs> so too. All right, well, thank you so much for your time and for coming out here for this Newcastle-Liverpool match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really appreciate you coming to me, and I'll, yeah. be, I'll be coming to you guys more yeah. often. Sure. Thanks, Don, man. All right. Appreciate it. Have a great day. And that was our interview with two members of Los Bandidos. Uh, you know, I came away from that so impressed with their knowledge of the team, love for the game, uh, passion for the club, and supporters' culture in general, trying to build something special in Phoenix. Um, really just impressed with that, and I'm sure that I will be saying hi to them more often and that, that some of you guys should feel welcome to as well. Jeff, was there anything there that really resonated with you? No, I think like you said, you know, it's great to hear the culture, you know, that they talk about and, uh, you know, wonderful group of people. I mean, you know, we look past everything that's happened this year, you know, bygones be bygones, things are done, you know, it's all about the fans now, it's all about focusing forward, it's all about, you know, how do we, how do we grow this thing better you know, I think that's the, the positives that you take away from this. Right. And and I really appreciated their comments about just getting conversations started and being willing to have conversations because that's, 
even outside of soccer, just something that I think more people need to be more open with in general. But uh, without going into a totally different topic, um, very cool, very cool interview with them. And I think now before we close the show out and get into final thoughts, we are going to talk a little bit about U.S. men's national team, if you guys don't mind, because this is the last week of World Cup qualifiers. So if any of you guys are soccer fans outside of USL, outside of MLS, this is a great week for you. You know, the last European qualifiers are going to be this, I believe, Friday through Tuesday. The South American ones are going to be Thursday and Monday. CONCACAF is going to be Friday and Tuesday. That's what U.S., Mexico play in. Uh, and really just a ton of action from all around the world. So for our sake, we're going to focus on the U.S. men's national team because that's literally a little closer to home. Uh, and the way it's shaping up right now, that match with Panama on Friday is going to be a must-win. It's going to be 4.30 on ESPN, home match. You know, the roster just came out today. We are at fourth place in the table with nine points. Panama is in third with ten. And so, you know, if we lose this match, that's it. Our best chance is getting fourth place going into a playoff where we would have to play Australia, which is not an easy win by any stretch of the imagination. That's assuming Australia beats Syria to represent Asia in that North America-Asia playoff. We don't want to get fourth place. That's a really tough two-leg tie traveling halfway across the world to Australia you don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. So how are we going to finish in third? Well, obviously, the way we finish third is we win that match Friday against Panama. You can't ask for a better place for the U.S. to, to make a decision to put this game than in Orlando, Florida. That fan base is so hungry, and I guarantee you, you know, not only are you going to have the, the American outlaws traveling from all over the country to this wonderful venue of soccer, uh, that's been built down there in Orlando, but just the the fans in general down there, such soccer savvy fans, and I guarantee you they will be 100% behind the red, white, and blue as they they, they play this match on Friday, you know. And obviously, you know the the keys are going to be that you know the 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 big guys are going to have to step up. You're going to have to ask Christian Pulisic to set, to step up. You're going to have to ask. For Clint Dempsey to step up, you're going to have to ask for Michael Bradley to step up. You're going to have to ask Tim Howard to step up. I mean, you're going to have these... to ask DeAndre Yedlin to step up. He was out for our last two qualifiers. He's back off of injury. He's been playing for Newcastle. He's going to need to step up too. And our central defenders. So, I mean, going back to your point, uh, do we think they can step up? I mean, it's Panama at home, and then Trinidad and Tobago is our last match on Tuesday, away match, but they're a team that has no chance of making it. So really, if we're going to win an away match and secure our spot, that's the team to do it against. But, I mean, we've struggled on away matches, and we've even struggled in home matches. One, one thing that worries me a little bit about the game being Orlando, and I talked to a friend about this, you're totally right. The fans are very passionate about their soccer, very savvy. But Orlando's only a few hours north of Miami. And guess what Miami is home to? It's the number one U.S. city for people from Latin America, Central America, the Caribbean, 
for all of those expats, Miami is the place to be. And we already saw that there were 10,000 Costa Rica fans in New York for that U.S. Costa Rica game. They were louder than the U.S. fans at times. So you're telling me there aren't going to be several thousand Panama fans there? I just, I wish they had thought that one through a little bit more because I would be stunned if there aren't at least three, four thousand Panama fans. This is a country that's never made the World Cup in their history. And they have a chance to clinch top three with a win against us and with Honduras losing, I think, to Costa Rica, which is completely doable. You don't think people are going to be there for that? You don't think people are going to scalp their tickets for money? I mean, hopefully it's not an issue because we get our on-field stuff together, but I, I like Orlando as a venue. I just wish we could have played like a Trinidad and Tobago home match there or something. Yeah, well, like you said too, I think the obvious the obvious key to Friday's match, I think you're right, is central defense. I mean, we have struggled so much there recently. I mean, Jeff Cameron is supposed to be back now that he's supposed to be healthy again. That is going to be huge for the United States if, if he can be, you know, in those matches. I mean, they have missed him so much during uh, during the qualifying stages. I mean, you know, you can you can see when he's not in the lineup, they they tend to struggle because there's not that good shutdown ability that Cameron has. Um, obviously, having DeAndre Yedlin is going to be huge because you know that gives you know the Americans another element of speed. While I love Graham Zuzi sitting back in that that role where he was, or even a you know even a Fabian Johnson sitting in that role, you just don't have the same speed there as what you have. You know, with you know, with a DeAndre Yedlin, and I think he is going to change the game so big. Obviously, the other thing to watch too is you've got you've got three or four guys on yellow cards, and you really got to be careful with those guys. You know, they pick up one, and if you you know, let's say you get a draw out of Panama, and you still got to go down and get a win in Trinidad. If you've got a couple of guys that you really need in Trinidad. Do you sub them out 20 to 30 minutes before the match ends, knowing that if they pick up a yellow, you lose them for Trinidad? Bruce Arena is going to have some tough, difficult decisions to make down the stretch in that Panama match, depending on the way uh, it shakes out, you know, in the first 60, 65 minutes. Yeah, and, and, and here's maybe a couple points. One is Panama does not open themselves up on the road. They play very tight to the vest, deliberately so. And even you know, even when they were away to Mexico, Mexico got a one-nil win. It wasn't a blowout. Uh, they got a Panama got a draw at Costa Rica. They drew us, you know, for the Gold Cup here. So this is a team that is pretty experienced. This nucleus has been around for a long time. They're not going to be scared at all. So the U.S. needs to be firing on all cylinders, maybe catch a lucky break. But here's the thing. Even if we win this match 2-1 or 1-0, a close win, 10 out of 10 people should be saying, yes, I want that result. I will take that result. But even if we get that 1-0 win, we're not out of the woods yet because say we're on 12 points now, Panama's on 10, and Honduras, honestly, they're playing away to Costa Rica, home to Mexico. Let's leave them out of this for now because that that's going to be, as far as their chances of overtaking us, I think that's pretty slim. Um, but 
us versus Panama. Say we get that win and we get up to 12 points. If we tie Trinidad and Tobago, Panama has a home match against Costa Rica to finish out their campaign. And Costa Rica will already be clinched. So they could just play a bunch of second stringers. They don't have any ill will against Panama. They, have, if anything, might have some ill will against Honduras. But, you know, just keep the guys healthy. And then Panama could get that win, get up to 13 points. Guess what the number one tiebreaker is in CONCACAF? It's goal differential. And right now, Panama's goal differential is plus two, ours is plus one. So let's just play this out. We get a 1-0 win and we get a draw. That's us at a plus two goal differential. If Panama gets that one goal loss against us and then wins by one goal, then theirs is also going to be plus two. But if they win by more than one goal, then they're above you know, plus two. They get the third spot, we're at fourth. So U.S. needs to focus on getting strong results, really wins from both these matches. It's not enough to just get the three points from Panama and then just take your foot off the gas. We can't play for that nil-nil away draw against Trinidad. And thankfully, Trinidad's a team that's lost to almost everyone in this campaign. You know, the one team they didn't lose to, ironically, is Panama. So, we just, we just need to be focused for both matches. I'm still cautiously optimistic we can do it, but Panama is a team that should not be taken lightly because they can they can play it really close to the vest and you just have to worry about what happens if we have that central defensive collapse they get that one goal and they can just sit on that lead and even if they get the draw I think they're going to be really fine with the draw because that keeps them one point ahead of us playing against a reserve Costa Rican side in their last match I mean this is big we need to win anything less than a win is a pretty dangerous result because you know there's even the chance we get fifth it's not a high chance but say say honduras can pull an away result against you know away to costa rica and then mexico might just play all their reserves they might just be like well we already won the group what does it matter to us and if the u.s misses the world cup huh, that'd be funny I mean that's what we did against uh, against Panama the last time, and then just pulled it out right at the death to save Mexico. Otherwise, they would have missed. So we need to take things into our own hands and get a nice, ideally like a two nil on Friday. But do you think that's possible given our recent form? Given our recent form, it's scary. But you know, I, I like our you know I like our chances. I really do. I mean, he's putting out a strong lineup, so. You know, I think anything can happen. Obviously, you know, a lot will depend on how, you know, how he arranges his starting lineup. And, you know, if, if you know, we see Pulisic in a position where he can make some plays, and if we see uh, Clint Dempsey in a position to make some plays, you know, I think 2 nothing can be a realistic goal. I, I, I honestly do. But, you know, we got, like you said, we got to get some result out of this. You know, we can't, we lose and we're, we're in some deep trouble, but even a draw and we're, we're in a, we're, we're not in a good position ourselves either. So, yeah, anything less than a win, we don't control our own destiny for getting top three in automatic qualification. And remember, fourth place means that you're traveling to Australia for a two leg tie. They come here, we come there. That's not a fun two leg tie you want to play. 
That's a team that has World Cup experience, that has guys like Cahill, that have played in Premier League before. You don't want to deal with that. You want to take care of business. I think we'll get by Panama 1-0, and I think we can get by Trinidad, hopefully like a nice 2-0 win. Uh, with Trinidad having nothing to play for, I think we can do that. I think we can get top three. But here's the deal. This is where the rubber meets the road if you're Bruce Arena. You were hired for one reason and one reason only. Make the World Cup. And he's gotten us some decent results. We got the away draw at the Azteca. He got us the Gold Cup. Okay, whatever. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what you're here to do. Get us these wins. Get us in. There's no more time for us to be sleepwalking like we did against Costa Rica. And thankfully, we got saved by... Uh, by Bobby Wood, who should have started against Honduras for the 1-1 draw, but this is where the rubber meets the road. We need to get results, and we need them now. I totally agree with you 100%. It's got to be results or nothing else. That we're, we're, not, we're not pushing the panic button, but that finger is hovering. And so help me, if we don't get the win against Panama, it's time to press that panic button. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, I think that'll do it, uh, or we should do final thoughts first. Yeah. Uh, you know, congratulations to the boys. You know, first ever playoff position uh, in club history. You know, a tremendous honor for this club. You know, we, anybody can be upset about what happened Saturday night, losing 2 nothing to Sacramento. But, you know, to me, I'm not. It's good. You know, that's something they needed. They needed to come back down to earth, and it's a good time for it to happen now. So, you know, hats off to the boys for making it. Hats off for, for going 11 straight unbeaten. Hats off for winning four straight and four straight clean sheets. You can definitely see where Patrice Carterone has his club heading right now. And that's and I think that's more important than, you know, seeing the results that we have been seeing. Um, he's got him in their form. He's got him in their shape. He's got him playing the way that he wants him to. Playing solid defense on the back end, countering when it when the time is ready. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to eke out a one nothing game. He's not afraid to eke out a two one game. Um, you know, as long as his defense is solid in the back, that's all that matters. You know, and I think what he's done is nothing short of of uh, a great job of, of coming in here and doing what he's done. You know, you feel sad seeing the article in the USL website earlier this week talking about uh, five of the top coaches in the league and what they've done this year. Yeah, I can understand why Carter Room might have been left off the list a little bit just because he hasn't been here the full season. You know, did he kind of deserve an honorable mention type of mention in the article? Yeah, he probably should have, but that, you know, the five names that are on that list are definitely just as deserving, you know, of the accolades, you know, that, that they have reserved, you know, that they deserve, you know, the coach from, you know, Ian Russell from Tulsa, uh, you know, the coach up in Reno, you know, Murphy up in, up in Reno, uh, you know, the coach in, in Louisville, you know, I trust me, those guys have definitely deserved, uh, all the honors that they've gotten, but, but for Patrice to do the job that he's done, uh, nothing short of amazing, but uh, I think these boys will be ready for the stretch run. Three home games, they'll have a chance to relax at home. They'll have a chance to to kind of slow down and catch their breath now before this, you know, before the playoffs start. And and Patrice can set up his lineup the way he wants to now. 
Yep. I think that's all really well said. Uh, my final thought is going to be look forward to the future, but stay in the here and now. Um, it just dawned on me earlier this week that the offseason is coming up fast. It's wild how fast it's coming up. You know, barring something truly spectacular, we only have one month left of rising football in this calendar year. And that got me thinking, what are we going to do for off-season coverage? Well, here's the good news. We're going to have a lot of time to get in touch with, you know, front office personnel, hopefully actually get some players tracked down now that they're going to have more free time for interviews. Uh, I would love to get an interview with Peter Ramage. He should be available for us at a couple points. Um, you know, Rigi and Johnson, if they're available, we're also going to do some MLS expansion coverage. I know for a fact we're going to have a season, end of season mega episode where we just kind of recap, give team awards, kind of like we did mid-season, but it'll be a much more cheerful episode than that one <laughs> when we were coming off a pretty bad result to Tulsa. But um, stay focused in the here and now because everyone's already talking playoffs. Everyone's already talking What's going to happen after the season? Are we going to make MLS or not? When's the decision happening? We still have three home matches. And we still have three home matches where we're going to be favored. And we already clinched, so there's no pressure anymore. And everyone's in really good form. Sacramento loss aside, even that match we played hard and just lost on two good goals from them. So just enjoy it. Just enjoy these moments, these last couple weeks. You know, applaud the team for all they've done. And realistically, we're not going to have a home playoff match unless there's a big upset in the playoffs. So just enjoy these last few moments with the team until March. Like, soak it in because it's, uh, it's kind of crazy how quick the future and the offseason runs up on you. But also, once we get there, we'll have you covered. But stay focused in the here and now. That's what I have to say. Well, well said, Dominic. Well said. Well, that wraps up this episode of the uh, Rising as One podcast. We thank you, as always, for following us. Uh, you have any questions, comments, uh, you know, please visit us on iTunes and leave some comments uh, uh, there for our podcast. Uh, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at RisingPod. Uh, email us at RisingPod at gmail.com. Um, we thank you for your support all year long. Obviously, we still got a few more weeks left to go, but you know, for 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 the three of us to be able to do this all year long, uh, it's been a joy and a pleasure to be able to do this. So, uh, any any final comments, Dominic? Well, just just hoping that we can get Matt Trainer back with us for the following week, and hopefully, we'll have a couple wins to talk about. But uh, I mean, we got to thank him for all he's done. You know, just having the honor to work with him this whole year and uh, really just grow with the team, grow with knowledge of the team. It's been pretty fantastic. So we still got a few weeks left and hopefully a few more than a few weeks. So that would be nice. I think that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next Sunday. Go rising. Go rising. Go rising. Go rising.